morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast. Welcome to the season finale of Winning Time, the story of the 1980s Los Angeles Lakers. And we uh, we are here for the last time this season, uh, episode 10, called Promised Land, and the Lakers have reached the promised land, and so have we. Casey, how are you doing on this fine Mother's Day late Sunday evening? I'm doing good. It's a nice weekend in Omaha, good Mother's Day with the family, so excited to get through the final episode of this season. Yeah, two two days of spring, and then tomorrow we jump into August heat. Which, which I'm totally fine with. I'd rather have August heat. I'm tired of the wind and rain and cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am too. I am too. I am. I am ready to. Uh, let's get through these few days. I'd like a few more days. Like next week, supposed to be in the mid seventies. Anyway, enough of the Bill Ranby section of the podcast. There are people yeah. that don't care about that. They want to hear about our review of the Lakers and winning time. And so let's get into that. Uh, I thought this was pretty doggone good episode, Casey. How about you? Yeah, I thought it was really good. It was probably one of my favorites that we've had during this season for sure. Mm-hmm. What were some things that, uh, just kind of before we get into our, our various categories, what are some things that, that you liked with it? I liked I liked the, the overall theme and the flow of the episode. I thought that it was the, the focus that we've been looking for where it was almost exclusively just on the Lakers themselves and the development of those characters, whether it's Norm Nixon, you know, Norm Nixon stepping up a little bit here tonight. We had, uh, of course, Irvin doing his thing in Game 6. I thought, overall, the show was pretty well done emphasizing the importance of Game 6, the 1980 uh, Finals, and how it, it changed the landscape of the NBA forever, and and how it really gave birth to Irvin Magic Johnson on the professional level. Uh, those were those were some of my sixty four thousand foot observations. How about you? Yeah, I, I thought um, I thought it, I liked how it had different characters that I think they can build off of to have more gusto in the upcoming seasons. Like we know what happens with like seeing how Jeannie Bus moves into where where she goes, how Kareem kind of you can tell he's getting to that age where it's it's not his team anymore mm-hmm. and he's getting close to retiring you can kind of see how the um pedestal's getting stepped by or uh, taken over by magic um then jerry bust just trying to figure out how he wants to run his organization mm-hmm. um from top to bottom from in the main office to how he does things on the floor so and then you kind of see the background of Larry or Larry Bird and um, how bad he wants it um, and he'll do anything to try to get there I guess you could say yeah love and we'll get to that a little bit later I love the Larry Bird subplot that they've brought it I thought overall throughout the season I thought the Larry Bird subplot was pretty well done throughout the the 10 episode run that was that was my opinion and uh i i really liked how that's crescendoing into season two season you know whatever direction we go from here you know right yep uh okay so let's get into it here uh best scene of the episode or favorite scenes 
maybe some favorite quotes. Uh, you know, let's let's jump in right there. Uh, I will I will say uh, again uh, some really really good quotes. In uh, again, there's there's two or three real haymakers that they have each episode. I will admit that even even in the bad episodes. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, Jerry Buss looking over to Red Auerbach. You, you know, you guys have won everything that doesn't count. I thought that yeah. was that that was a good line there. Uh, you know, some some other things. Some some of them we can't have here on our PG thirteen podcast. But I thought uh, I thought that was that that was probably my favorite line of the of the night. Uh, what were some of your favorite scenes, Casey? Uh, my my favorite scene was probably when uh, Kareem pulled Magic into the car before they flew to philly um for game six um i think i i think that kind of just shows that kareem kind of knows his time's short Mm -hmm. um and he's kind of passing the pedal passing the candlestick over to magic a little bit and saying hey this is your team go do what you can do um i thought i liked that Mm -hmm. i liked that scene a lot um what else was there? I just watched it too, and now I'm going blank. Um, <laughs> it's but I I I just thought for once I actually thought the whole episode. I think there was only one or two episodes that was actually good. That I thought all the scenes were actually really good. Yes. Um, nothing like dragged out. Nothing was overdone too much. Uh, I liked. I liked. It wasn't Jeannie Bus didn't say much, but I liked the scene with her and her dad there at the beginning where in the office, in the office, yes, yes. yes. Um, you could just it's you could just read her reaction, yes. Like you can see it in her eyes, like she just wanted to grab something and throw at him and beat the living crap out of him because <laughs> she was that pissed at him. Yeah, but I I, I like that scene as well. But I thought overall, like. Um, Nothing was bad, and I know we'll get into that, but I didn't think anything was overdone, dragged out. I thought most of the scenes and the way they handled everything was pretty good for this episode. Mm-hmm. I uh, I liked, and again, our, our guy Jerry West, you know, his reaction between the third and the fourth quarter when they he came back into the arena and they were up ten. He's like, I gotta, I gotta keep walking. I gotta keep walking. I yeah. can, re- I can relate to that. I stayed within about the the same four square feet for approximately five hours on November second, uh, two thousand sixteen, in Game Seven of the World Series. And I just thought, yeah. well, of course the Cubs are doing well because I'm standing in this spot, five hundred miles away from Cleveland, Ohio. And of course, this is the reason why we were winning until Araldis Chapman couldn't throw the ball. Uh, any anymore, you know, but yeah. that 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 superstition. I thought that was I thought that was really funny. Just a little scene there. I really liked the scene at the end of the episode where Claire gets her due at the yeah. end, and she's made the vice president of uh, treasury or the CFO or whatever title that she was anointed at that time. Yeah. And I really liked the scene with Claire and Jeannie. Now again, it's 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 television. It's over dramatized, but you know, Jeannie says, "I want to be like you," and she said, "You're not going to be like me. You're going to be like him." And yeah. I thought that was some some nice foreshadowing of what we know now, forty years later, of the career arc of Jeannie Bus, and we now understand why 
Jeannie Buss has come to the top of the Lakers organization rather than her brothers, where her brothers don't even realize that, you know, the one brother, you know, the, the triple crown there, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so we, we, we get that now a lot more than we did. And, uh, I really like that. I really like that scene. Uh, I, I, I thought I really like the scene with Kareem and magic in the car at the airport as well. Uh, kudos to, uh, Kareem's wife, Cheryl. I thought she was really good in this episode as well. Yeah, we had we. She always had one or two lines in the in the show, but I thought she kind of. I thought she was really good and kind of got a little see a little more side of her, and no one really knows about her. Really, mm-hmm. you think about it because it's always about Kareem. But I just kind of like, yeah, you're right. Like how she kind of had some hidden gems in there a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was his second wife. Uh, they had not. Uh, I, I looked. I looked it up. They had one child together in their marriage uh, a little while down the line here. So, you know, I, I, I thought she was really good in this episode as well. So, I, you know, there, there was a lot of really, really good scenes. I thought they did a good job with the the post game stuff with uh, Brett Musburger up there on the stage with Jerry yeah. Buss, and I thought John C. Riley was in probably one of his more understated performances of the series, I thought John C. Riley really played it really well. Like he had waited all year for this to happen. And then it finally happens and you really don't know how to react to it. And I thought he did a nice job with that as well. Yeah. Another scene I thought about, um, that I had written down, uh, was, uh, there at the end where Jerry Buss and magic are just sitting there after they won the title. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're sitting in the locker room just talking like, why is it so quiet in here? Mm-hmm. And they're just talking like, hey, this is, we're excited, but we're tired. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's so exhausting. You and I have both been there. You win, you know, neither one of us has won a state championship yet. But right. we've been to the state tournament as head coaches. And you you get to that point after everything happens and you win and or after the the state tournament is, and you and you just kind of hit that collapse you hit that wall and you know it's just a few hours after you're winning that championship it's like holy cow this is just draining from us now everything the adrenaline has worn off and now i literally just can't move and i really liked that part of it too as well and one of the scenes i was going to say this and as well i forgot about this last week one of the my favorite scenes from last week's episode was Kareem working with Magic uh, in the post, working on the skyhook there, and that connection that they had in that scene. So I want to retroactively attach that one to last week's episode. So I wanted to make sure that got thrown in there as well. We didn't talk about that last week. So Yeah. Um, Worst scene of the episode. And there weren't very many bad scenes. I would say the worst part about this particular episode was probably Jack McKinney. Showing yeah. up at the doorstep, and here's my notes on Philadelphia. My question would be, if he had notes on Philadelphia, why did you have to wait till game six to give him the notes? You know, and just kind of, again, was, was I, I understand, I, I'm, I can't imagine how Jack McKinney felt during this time period and how frustrated he had to be. I know he felt like it was his project, I, but I thought that was... That was just kind of one of those Hollywood unnecessary scenes myself. Yeah, and I think, and I agree with that. And would he, I mean, 
who knows if he actually did that, but um, would a coach that pretty much got fired say, hey, buddy, here you go, even though you're friends, like, here's my notes for for what we wanted to do against the 76ers? I mean, that's kind of a little, I don't know, maybe it did happen, but it just kind of seems a little overboard a little bit. Uh, another scene that I wasn't a fan of was maybe uh, some of the stuff with Cookie and sitting at a party watching the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I mean, it wasn't really part of it. Besides, she just had she was with Magic or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like. I, I know we talked about like scenes, but I did like the scene with. Um, when Magic's mom comes walking into their little party and just tells this guy to shut his trap or walk <laughs> yeah. out the door. <laughs> yeah. Um, I kind of like that, but that's kind of another scene. Like, do we need to do that? But it was a time filler, I guess, to be mm-hmm. able to th- show his family as they're excited for what's going on. Sure. What, but, what? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, but other than that, I thought, I mean, like I said earlier, most, I thought most of the show was, this episode was really good. Mm-hmm. Did not, uh, I did not like the, okay, Magic just found out that it was 63-3 to in the Rookie of the Year voting at halftime of Game 6. Yeah. No, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. <laughs> Again, one of the criticisms of the show is the, the we're going to generously call it the stretching of the truth at times, and that one bothered me. I didn't like that. Uh, what did you think of the scene where Magic kind of went a little you know, paranoid schizophrenic in his in his living room yelling at Larry and Cookie and his mom on the couch and just kind of talking to nobody in there. Yeah, that was you know that, that was, was that was weird. Odd. That was a little odd. I don't know what I don't know if they were just trying to show how much pressure he was under and everything was getting to him or what. Mm-hmm. But I thought I thought that was weird as well. Like everybody's just on him like you got to do this and him putting the pressure on himself that would be my only guess they added that ep- that scene in there but other than that it's probably just a time filler to make it go an hour however long the episode was mm-hmm. i uh i want to propose something to you for for next season okay when you are playing somebody really good let's say it's a millard south or you know millard or one of your one of your battles of millard let's say Mm-hmm. And you're going in at halftime. Will you get out some Henry the Eighth and give it to Kruger to quote at halftime? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm jot down one for every game for next year and have 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 Kruger recite it at halftime and see how many people sit there and look at each other like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> yeah, I I think that. Uh, yeah, remind me never to quote Bill Shakespeare at any <laughs> halftimes ever. Uh, and uh, I, I do have to say, a, a slight little nitpick with the basketball stuff. Uh, a nice little montage summarizing games one through four of the finals would have been really good as well. Uh, yeah, I agree. T- take out, I, I don't know, I don't know what, take out the scene with Magic yelling at Larry and and the the voices in his head or whatever for that two minutes and give us a two minute montage of game games one through four to set up Kareem rolling his ankle in game five which then sets up game six and let yeah, us see they, the whole picture. Yeah, they kind of jumped 
jumped on seeing it jumped a little bit going straight to where he turned his ankle mm-hmm. um, and I know I mean that's a huge part of that NBA championship season but yeah I agree with you they probably could have shown a couple clips from each game and then gone to game five and then we start the show but yeah that was it would have been nice just to see because I had to look it up I had to remember how every single every game went I couldn't remember yeah well, we had uh, game one, the Lakers won, Philly won game two, Lakers won game. So it was L.A., Philly, L.A., Philly. So that would have been a great way. And, and game four, it was 105-102. So that's a really tight game, setting up this big game five. And then Kareem gets hurt after he's played so well in game five. Uh, look it up right now on Basketball Reference. Kareem had 40 in game five, uh, 40 and 15. So, you know, huge factor in that yeah. game. Uh Dr. J had 36 that game. So, I mean, you know, so I I think that they again, uh, that's something that I would have changed that I would have been like, "Hey, we got to set up 1 through 4 here and and take out this or take out that to to set up the these other things here." That that's my opinion, but um yeah. any anything else uh anything else for worst scenes of the episode? Not that I can not not that I know of. Okay. All right. Uh, grading the basketball realism, A through F, and Y. I gave it a really, really high B plus, uh, and and you could talk me into an A minus. Magic, you know the the again little tiny details. M- you know, Magic went behind his back about two hundred and six times in Game Six there in their stock footage, and the Sixers ran about the worst transition defense I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. I think at one point they were running a 1-1-1-1-1 press against the Lakers, and Magic just dribbled through the whole thing like it was a team camp drill or something like that. But I really liked uh, Chick Hearn with the slam dunk, the way the way Chick had uh, the way he would say it on the, the Lakers broadcast. I thought they did a good job with Kareem and Gabe Five and showing him with the sky hook. And, and hats off to the guy that played Kareem. I thought he did a really good job throughout the episode with all of his mannerisms and the sky hook and all of that. I I thought the the game six footage, you know, was was pretty good and it was a lot of basketball to to, to put into one episode, which is great. Uh, one thing I wish they would have mentioned that they didn't say anything about. Uh, Jamal Wilkes went off for thirty seven. You know, everybody remembers Magic's game, and they should. No, I'm not saying that they shouldn't because they should. Uh, but but uh, but Jamal Wilkes had 37 points in game six as well. He had 37, 37 and 10, so he wasn't a slouch either. So I think he probably deserved a little love as well. Uh, again, my opinion there. So, uh, but I gave it a B plus on the verge of an A minus. Again, details along the way that I wish that we would have gotten a little bit better in there. So, how about you? Yeah, I had I had a. I had an A. I thought it was really good. Showed a lot of basketball. Um, showed some scheming, kind of. Um, just trying to figure out game plan stuff for game six. I kind of like that. A uh, lot of player interaction, which was good. Like with um, when Magic was tired there at the end of the game. And mm-hmm. Norm comes up to talk to him. I thought that was really good. Um just kind of saying, hey, I got your back. I'm there for you. We're going to get this thing done. Um, and you brought up Wilkes' um, stat line. 
Norm Nixon had 16, mm-hmm. but he was one for 10 from the field. Yeah, I see and that. He had, and he was like nine or ten, nine or 10 from the line, maybe. Oh, Something I think like you're that. looking at. I think you're looking at Cooper's stat line. Norm only had What's four that? points. Cooper had sixteen. Okay, but he but was he one for ten from the one for ten from the field? Yeah, he was one for ten from the field. Yeah, he. I knew he shot really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like now, hopefully that's all happened. I mean, I'm, you got to assume that everyone kind of stepped up and tried to help each other out with limited numbers and missing their best player. But um, I thought that scene was really good. Um, showing some basketball realism that, hey, it's not always on one person's back. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was good. I thought I thought the gameplay, just kind of showing everything, was really good. Like you, the besides like the one v one full court press, yeah. multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't feel like an NBA team would do that, but yeah. um, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's it's just what it looked like when they showed it there. And again, yeah. they're, they're highlighting magic and his ball handling skills and his no look passes, which again, I really thought uh, the guy that played magic Johnson and, and I need to look up his name. He did a terrific job. He had his mannerisms, his, uh, the way he uh, magic spoke. I, I thought he did a terrific job throughout the series as well. So yeah, uh, hats I off thought- to him. Yeah, I thought that was. I thought he was really good as Magic, mm-hmm. um, but I thought I thought all the realism stuff, the live game stuff, was really good. Um, the grit. They, I thought they had good camera angles on. Now, I, I mean, I think the guy that played Cream did play college basketball um, before he became an actor. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't know if the guy that played Magic played college basketball or not, but I, I'm about one hundred ninety percent sure that. Um, the guy that played Kareem did play basketball. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know how, but I thought the camera angles were great on making it look like it was real mm-hmm. when they took a shot or when they play defense or when they do something. I thought that was really good um, in this episode for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The guy that played uh, Kareem is a guy named Solomon Hughes. He, uh, he played at uh, Cal Berkeley for four years, was captain his senior year, Played with the Globetrotters. So the guy's got skills. The guy can play. And, yeah. uh, you know, he, like I said, I thought he did a terrific job. I thought he did a terrific job throughout the, for, throughout the entire thing. So, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, you talk, you talk me into it. Okay. So it's the end of the semester here, Casey. We're, we're wrapping things up. And you're the student that came into my classroom and talked me into, uh, you know, I got a B plus right now, but is there any way I can get it up to an A minus? So you right there moved my grade up to an A minus, sir. So, I am hip to that scene. I have changed my grade. Your transcript looks even better than what it did a little while ago. So I, I wish all my teachers would have done that when I tried to coax them into that back in the day. And I'm sure all of them were rounded up from B pluses to A minuses, right, Casey? Oh, oh every time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's getting late on a Sunday night. It's getting yeah. late. So, uh, who made the most out of the '80s and survived award for the week? I believe you went first last week. So I'm going to go first on this one this week. My guy is Spencer's friend who lost his snake in the living room. (laughs) And he's walking around with a, with a, with a 38 caliber. If that guy is still alive today, hats off my friend. But, but uh, you know, obviously what, what are the saddest stories of the, of the series, you know, two, two, probably the two biggest 
sad stories are, of course, Jesse Buss passing away. And then, of course, the, the downward spiral that Spencer Haywood went into. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately, and we talked about this earlier with Magic and some of the hangers-on, you know, Spencer Haywood is, is really hanging around the wrong people at the wrong place at the wrong time. And, and, our, and our snake guy, we'll just call him the snake guy. I never really caught his name. But he gets, he gets my award for anybody, anybody that's just walking around with a boa constrictor. If you can survive that, hey, hats off to you, my friend. Yeah. That's my award winner for this week. Mine what mine is it is uh Jerry Buss's sons. Okay. They they just kind of I mean <laughs> they we'll were. Learn, I I think we're gonna learn a lot more about them here in the next season. I mean a little bit. I hopefully they throw them in there a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think I think they just were like all right, free beer, let's go ahead and just drink and go sit at <laughs> a game. We can care less about anything else. <laughs> Not knowing, going triple crown. I mm-hmm. mean, just I just thought I was like, man, they're living the great life right there, just not having to worry about anything and mm-hmm. uh, choking down some Budweisers and enjoying mm-hmm. their time. Well, we we you and I have to. You know, I remember the first time. You know, uh, Pops Plum took me out and put put me on his tab yeah. for the evening. As oh, here it's on. It's on. Yeah. Let's let it rip, you know. So uh, I would, I would probably have done the same thing, you know. So, uh, but the bus boys, I, I think, and and we're going to see, and, and that's been a, a big story with the Lakers since Jerry Bus died. Was he wasn't he was very in uh, he he was not precise in his language as to who was going to take over the Lakers, and it turned into this battle royal between Jeannie and her brothers and. As we see, you know, Jeannie has the business acumen. He, she is she is smart. She is dedicated. She is fully vested into this franchise. And the and the brothers are are you know they're part of the reason, uh, or, or one of the things that you hear and read about from guys like Brian Winhorst and 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 Wojciechowski and and those guys is part of the reason why the Lakers had that five six seven year time period of struggling. In part was the Bus Brothers being kind of pretty in- incompetent NBA owners, and when Jeannie kind of took that back away from him, then that's when LeBron came into the picture. That's when Anthony Davis came into the picture, and you know, for that one season at least, they won another championship in the bubble. So that is some. I mean, obviously, this probably show isn't going to go forty years, but that that's a that's a big reason why. That, you know, we, and you can kind of see it a little bit played out or dramatized here at, in this situation that uh, the, the the brothers are not nearly as into this as Jeannie is. At the very least, Jeannie's going to outwork them in in this whole scheme of things. Yep, yep, that's for sure. So I I just thought that was great, kind of introducing them for the first time and seeing like kind of what we know now on how they kind of feel about the Lakers and where they feel they're going to go and everything. I just thought, yeah, they'd lived their great life in the eighties. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Coaching concept or coaching point that you are going to steal from this episode. Mr. Hall, I'll let you go first on this one. Um, I think, I think finding ways to motivate, uh, players and teammates, not as just a head coach, but also use as players being able to motivate. I mean, I, I we know that probably the Patrick Riley saying that to Irvin 
saying 63 to three didn't happen. But also I think, I think as a coach, you've got to find different ways to motivate kids mm-hmm. uh, during a game. Um, they may not be playing well. They might be tired as like magic was um, finding different ways to be able to motivate them. And then also the way uh, Norman Nixon came up and said, Hey, I got your back magic. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's, I think that's great. Um, for a coach to have someone that's a leader that you can have a leader that can go do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have to do it yourself all the time. I think that's just something that you have to instill in your kids, uh, that, Hey, I can't do it all the time. I can't see everything. You've got to be able to step up and do it yourself to help your teammates and to motivate them. Mm-hmm. I, I was with you on the Pat Riley train here on this. Uh, we see the seeds of what we know of of Pat Riley now again forty years later later and I and I wrote this down Casey uh, we see the seeds of Pat Riley the button pusher and and that's kind of been sprinkled in here but even do you remember when they were on the plane and they were getting ready to go to Philadelphia and the newsmen were up there in between the the players and and whatever and. And mm-hmm. Riley walks up there and says, who says we're even going to have a game seven? We're going to end this in six or something like that. Now, yeah. sometimes that's just bravado, and, as, and that's saying what you have to say. But in the back of your mind, you're like, boy, we're up against it. you know." But sometimes you have to say those things. And with Riley saying that to, to Irvin about the, the, the rookie vote and those type of things. And so we know that Riley was a good X's and O's coach, but he was a master manipulator. He he coached the mind as much, if not more, than the X's and O's of the game. And I think that that is, uh, we, we see those seeds being planted here with the, with the future of Pat Riley as the future head coach of the Lakers as Showtime really kicks in the high gear in the mid-80s as Magic really gets going with his career. The, yeah. the, the other thing that I took from this as far as the coaching point uh, the joy of winning, the joy of winning, and and one of the things that I definitely have much more of, of an appreciation of now as I get older than I did when I was younger is winning is really, really hard, and when you win, you have to enjoy it. Now, you can't celebrate it forever, but the, the joy of winning and the joy of, I, I think our sport has maybe the best tradition in all of sport, which is you win a championship and you cut down a net. And you don't really do that at the professional level, but you do it at the high school level, you do it at the college level. And and I really think that that joy of winning and emphasizing that joy of winning and to really celebrate that, I think that's important that all coaches do that as much as they can as they as they progress into their seasons, into their careers. Never lose never lose sight of that joy of winning. Yeah, no, that's really good right there. I totally agree with that because sometimes, sometimes you can lose that if you're having rough, rough seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got to realize that when you do get those wins, cherish the ones you get, and then hold on to them for as long as you can until the next game starts. Yep, yep. I have really gone with the mantra with with our teams uh, when we win a game. You know, enjoy it, and we're going to celebrate it, and we're going to enjoy it all night tonight. But when our heads hit the pillow, we move on. And the same thing with losing. You know, it sucks. 
let it bother you until your head hits the pillow and then you move forward. And but I, I think that joy of winning is is something that is is really important for all of us to remember. So overall grade for this episode, Casey Hall, I am going to give this kind of matching up with my I I, I had this grade in there already. Uh, but it, you, your basketball realism push really emphasized it for me. I'm going to go with an A minus. I, I really liked uh, almost everything about this episode. There were just again little nitpicks with the basketball footage. Uh, is Kareem really going to go over on a bum ankle and find Spencer Haywood in his house? I don't know if that really happened or not. Again, I need to go yeah. back and reread Perlman's book. You know, so I I just. We've kind of gotten to the point, though, and this is kind of one of the downfalls of the series, is we don't know what is really real and what is dramatized for drama's sake. And I and I and and that's the one thing I wonder about. But I I gave it an A minus. I really liked it. I thought they did a great job. Again, covering one of the most important games in NBA history and. Magic Johnson, David Stern. We haven't talked about David Stern. David Stern is a cold-hearted sob man. He yeah. he only cares about one thing, and that is the National Basketball Association. And I thought the you know that portrayal of him is again kind of a preview of what we're going to see down the line. And and that was necessary because you know uh, Larry O'Brien isn't even at Game Six. They got to get him a helicopter. They don't even have a quarter to call him on the payphone. Just the ineptitude of the NBA. And David Stern was another one. We talk about Magic and Larry being the right people at the right time. David Stern was the right person at the right time who was so Machiavellian about his practices that you know he was going to make sure that. The NBA was going to thrive, no matter what needed to be done. So I gave it an A minus. Yeah, I, I gave it an A. I thought it was really well done. Um, got to see lots of basketball. Got to see multiple storylines that I think will continue to grow. Hopefully, I mm-hmm. guess I should should continue to grow, but hopefully, we'll continue to grow in um, season two. Um, wherever that takes us, but I thought I thought they did a great job of this episode of um, kind of potentially showing where things will go um, as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I gave it an A. Very good, very good. So we wanted to wrap up our our season, our first season of winning time, and right after last week, I texted Casey and I said, okay. Let's end this whole little project that we've been doing. And by the way, Casey, thank you so much for doing this with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, when we all get together at Wine 121 here, I'll, I'll take care of you, my friend. Um, that, that, that's that's in your contract, I believe. Uh, okay. But one of the things, I texted Casey, I said, okay, let's make a list. Let's each make a list of what are five things that we want to see in season two. Because we know the series got picked up for a second season. So what are five things that you would like to see in season two. And I haven't seen Casey. We haven't talked about it since then. And so we're going to talk about it right now. Would you like to go first or would you like for me to go first? I can go first. Okay, go ahead. Why don't you go with, with, with and mine's in no particular order, 
I, I just kind of, after this last episode, I, I scribbled down a few things, and, and like three of them I had in my head, and then two of them after tonight's episode, I finished out my list of four, four and five. So that's the way mine that's the way mine was structured as I put together my list. Uh, but give us your first point here. Uh, mine is I want to see kind of the development and growth of Jeannie Buss okay. within the organization and see where it goes. I mean, we all know where it goes. Mm-hmm. But I kind of want to see how the structure goes now with uh, uh, Claire moving up um, and then seeing where Jeannie goes from there. Mm-hmm. That was one of them. Okay. Um, I'm going to counter that. Let's let's alternate. Let's go back and forth. Okay. Okay. My number or my first thing that I listed, more Larry Bird. <laughs> I, love, I love the guy that's playing Larry Bird. And I want to see a little bit more of Larry and Magic. Because, again, they, they are the 80s in the NBA. You know, Jordan comes in there late in the decade, but these are the two guys that really laid the groundwork. And then and then Michael obviously took the baton from there. I'm not saying that, obviously, MJ was, was a huge reason why the NBA is the way it is today. But I want to see more Larry Bird. I love the guy that plays his character. I think they've done a great job with him so far. I, 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 his mannerisms, everything like that, he's done a terrific job as an actor. So I want to see more Larry Bird uh, next season. So that's 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 one on my list. Uh, what's your second one? Uh, I I got it tonight. And it was kind of I want to see more development of the NBA with uh, David Stern. Uh, I mean, I know he doesn't take over as commissioner until the 84-85 season, I believe. Yep. Yep, but um, I kind of like to see a little more behind the scenes of the NBA and how the higher ups want to develop it and what it turns into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's where I was kind of at, like where it turns into more television, more uh, more publicity, and everything. So that's kind of where I was hoping to see. And it doesn't have to be David Stern, but I think he needs to be a big part of it just because he's the man for. Mm-hmm. 30 years absolutely okay my number two uh stay accurate to the book tell the real story and, and again this is a drum i've been beating for two and a half months you know the story in itself is fascinating enough at least to this dork we don't need to fabricate it or exaggerate it or have it kind of go off the rails every once in a while the way that they they did on more than one occasion this season I think there's enough drama, there's enough back there's enough background, there's enough personality with the major players and with what Perlman has in the book that let's just let's just stay in that lane and kind of bring it back in a little bit uh, for the for the sake of the story itself. So that's my number two. Uh, and my number two and number three are fairly closely related. But what's your number three? Uh, my number three was was kind of the same as your number one. I want to see more Larry Bird, more Celtics, um, more of the Lakers-Celtics rivalry a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a little more behind the scenes. I know they don't play in the finals against each other till that 84-85 season, right? It was the 80, yeah, 84. It was the 84 finals, 83-84. Okay. Yep. So I know they don't play for a while. Um, but I just think seeing a little more in depth of the Celtics now and Larry Bird after seeing Magic win in his rookie year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's 
It's uh, Rockets, Rockets, Celtics in '81, Lakers and Sixers in '82 and '83. Because in '83 it was Moses Malone and Fo Fo Fo. And, oh yeah, that's right. Yep, and then it's '84. It's Lakers, Celtics round one. So um, my number three. Keep the and again, keep the focus on the team. Keep the focus on the team. Keep the focus. I I'm really I, I'm going to feel really bad for Paul Westhead, but I'm really enamored. I'm I'm really enamored in the evolution of Pat Riley becoming Pat Riley. And you again, we talked. I, I said it earlier here in this podcast. Uh, we see the seeds of Pat Riley, the button pusher, and his evolution of the leader of this of this team. And so I'm excited to see that happen. Let's let's stay. Let's stay there. Let's stay there. Uh, so my number two was let's keep it more factual and keep it more accurate. And then the third thing is keep the focus on the team. Keep the focus on the team. So uh, number four for you, Casey. Uh, my number four is you kind of just said it, Patrick Riley, Pat Riley. Mm-hmm. I want to see the development and the change of Patrick Pat Riley from the long hair now down to the shoulders to when he turns into the slick back grease ball kind of look. That's right. I kind of want to see the development of just Patrick Riley as a coach um, and the team of of the team and where it goes from there. Okay. My number four and these last two, I, I added here uh, tonight. I am excited and I hope they do a thorough job of showing Jerry West as the GM because he turns out to be the guy that he's going to make the deal that will eventually lead to James Worthy. He's going to be the guy that makes the deal to lead to Michael Thompson later on down the line, which helps Kareem play another couple of extra years at the end of his career. Uh, Just seeing that growth in Jerry West and to accurately portray let, show us behind the curtains of how an NBA GM does their job or how he did his job. To He didn't make this a one-championship team. He made it a five-championship team who was in the finals, I think, nine out of 11 seasons coming out of the Western Conference, some crazy number like that. And so I'm excited to see that happen. I hope they do, I hope they do stuff with that next season. Yeah, that, that would be... Yeah, you're right. He he built. I mean, I know Jerry Bust built it, but um, or not Jerry West. Jerry Bust built it, but Jerry West kept it going for years with mm-hmm. the player moves that he made mm-hmm. over the time. Yep, yep. Uh, my number five is we know what happens to Magic. I'd kind of like to see more more of that. Um, just his growth as a player, as a person on and off the court. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we want to see all the basketball stuff. Um, and that's what we're here for, but, um, kind of see, being able to see some of his off the court miscues, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, might be interesting if, and now, now, as you said earlier, if it's factual, yeah, I mean, we want to make sure we stay to the, truth and not go too far out but yeah. um that's right i, I kind of like to see some of that stuff that happened to him in the 80s mm-hmm. yeah um my number five and and this is the last thing i wrote down here build off 
of the structure of this last episode. And because it was it was narrow, we were we were locked in on game five and game six. We were locked in on the team. The there was a little bit on the side with Spencer Haywood. There was a little bit on the side with Jeannie Buss. This is the this is the this is the structure that we're looking for. Uh, here's here's what I wrote down, Casey. Think of it like Law and Order. What makes Law and Order a great show? Are you a Law and Order fan, Casey? I'll watch it every now and again. I okay. mean, it's on uh, it's on a TV show. It's on a TV channel every day. So yeah. So I may I may find an episode. Yeah, so so you've seen enough Law and Order episodes to know what to expect from a Law and Order episode, right? Yep. Same kind of thing here. Let's let's get into let's think of it as a Law and Order because because what Law and Order doesn't have is it doesn't have a lot of fat to it, you know. And so let's trim the fat on some of these things. And if that means that the series only goes, give me give me. Three really quality seasons, rather than four or five bloated seasons, just to make it last longer, and and I think that would be the better. Uh, I, I, and I'm going to step way out of my lane here, so th- that would be the better artistic statement, in my opinion, is to have three great seasons, let's say, and the fat is trimmed, and here's the complete story here in, in 30 episodes, rather than trying to to drag it out for 40 or 50 with all of these other. Uh, other things like that. And so have that law and order blueprint in mind when you're structuring your episodes and you're putting them together like they did tonight, which I thought that's what they did. Yep. I know. I agree that stick to the point, hammer it out. If you need to be less than 10 episodes, make it less, but make them really good episodes. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything to add Casey? I don't think so. I thought, I think they added the, Ended the season with a bang, which is a plus. Mm-hmm. Um, now let's see if they can carry it over to when season two starts. And we will be back with season two. Casey, I can't thank you enough for coming on and helping me out with this project. Every every Sunday night, uh, you've been a real trooper. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Thank you for agreeing with me to kind of put this crazy idea together. And, and I think folks have enjoyed listening to this little offshoot a pen and a napkin production that we've been able to put together the last few weeks so so thank you very much for for helping me out with this i really really appreciate it yeah no thanks for asking it was a lot of fun um always good to catch up um on some nba history that's for sure absolutely and and we are helping tell that nba history here to our listeners so Let's 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 end it right there. Uh, episode ten, uh, the last episode of season one of Winning Time, the story of the nineteen eighties Showtime Lakers. Uh, really appreciate Casey Hall helping me out with this uh, with this little side project. Aside from the other stuff that we do from a pen and a napkin, we got a lot of really good stuff coming out this week. Uh, got a great interview that's going to be dropping Tuesday morning, folks. You're really going to like it. Uh, give you a little bit of a preview. We've got a head coach of a team that played in the NCAA tournament this past season that's going to be on the podcast Tuesday morning, and you're not going to want to miss it. Really, really good stuff there. So uh, for Casey Hall, uh, this is Marty Plum. Hope you've enjoyed this series on winning time with the Los Angeles Lakers. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.